Hey everyone, this is Dave Cruz from Flyber Labs, a podcast on business and innovation in the Midwest and beyond. Here you'll meet fascinating people and learn about new technologies and practices that will change how you look at life and business. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyover Labs, and today we are lucky enough to have Toxin Wan with us. And Toxin researches new technology inspired by nature. And in 2014, uh, MIT Tech Review named Toxin to their top innovator group under the age of 35. So I'm quite excited to have him uh, with us today. He's the assistant professor of mechanical engineering at Penn State, uh, where he heads up the Wan Laboratory and this is a great name for nature inspired engineering. It sounds like, uh, yeah, I love that name. So I, uh, he, and his research is quite fascinating to, and we'll talk more about it, but he has research on super, super slippery materials and had adhesives and camouflage. It almost sounds like a, a Hollywood movie lab. Um, so yeah, I'm very excited to hear more of what he's working on and, um, how he gets so curious and, uh, what he's excited about. So, Toxin, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. So let's first off and get to know you a little bit better. Can you tell us your, your background and how you ended up at uh, eventually at Penn State? Okay, yeah. So um, I was trained as a mechanical engineer and a material scientist. Um, I did my uh, PhD at UCLA in mechanical engineering. And during that time, um, my main focus was in um, microelectromechanical systems, uh, software MEMS, uh, micro-manufacturing, and, and uh, nanotechnology. So that was uh, my background back at um, uh, PhD. And after that, um, I moved to um, Harvard University um, to continue my postdoc. Over there, I studied um, bio-inspired materials design, where um, I take ideas from nature, uh, learn from their um, clever strategy and try to translate those concepts into new materials for uh, different engineering applications. So um, that is where I came from, like uh, mostly mechanical engineering and material science background. Gotcha. Okay. And, and where did you uh, grow up? I grew up out in Hong Kong. Um, actually, I did, uh, I did my undergraduate over there in the Chinese University of Hong Kong, also in mechanical engineering. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Um, and so what inspired you to, uh, come to the United States just to have the education that you wanted to do what you wanted to do? Right. Yeah. So that was a great question. Like, um, when I was, um, a freshman, um, back in uh, college, I was given, uh, this, uh, opportunity to, uh, visit, uh, United States. And that program, um, actually brings me to, uh, the Bell Labs. Um, at that time, it belongs to the Lucent Technologies. So Bell Labs is really well known. There oh, yes. were a lot of um, like scientists, Nobel laureates, um, like um, originally from, from from Bell Labs. And I happened to to meet uh, some of the uh, scientists over there. So I still remember at that time, I um, I was asking them like, um, how can I be one of them in the future? And then, like, um, one of the scientists um, was telling me that, like, um, if you want to uh, work in the bio labs in the future, the very first thing that you should do is um, to get a PhD, uh, preferably in the United States if possible. So um, that was the time when I set my goal to um, to to study in the U.S. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a great story. 
And he, and he did it. And <laughs> now look where you're doing. Yeah, and, and, and then I did it. Uh, yeah, actually, at that time, uh, during my college, I, um, I had a great mentor um, uh, back in college who, um, uh, his name is uh, Professor Wen J. Lee. So um, he uh, offered me uh, a research assistant po- uh, position at that time. That's how I started doing research. And, and because of those experiences that, um, that eventually led me to, uh, to study in the, in the United States. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, and it, and I forgot to mention. I mean, um, at the intro that Toxin also has a lot of other awards besides the MIT one that I mentioned, and he's been cited many times in the scholarly papers. So he's uh, he's done pretty well. So uh, I always like to hear the how how it kind of started. And good thing you asked that question. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, yeah. It was all started like um, when I um, became a research assistant. Um, in uh, in Professor Lee's lab at, at that time, and the the reason I I was into um um that that line of research was like um I still remember um uh, when I was a freshman I attended his lecture, so um in in his lecture he showed me uh this one picture where an ant um is holding a mechanical gear that is the same size as as the ant it's like really small. So at that time I was wondering how we can manufacture like mechanical part that small. And then afterwards, after the lecture, I came to talk to Professor Lee, and he told me this is a whole new area called the uh, microelectromechanical systems, where people uh, build like a micro uh, micro device and micro mechanical parts at very very small length scale. We are talking about at a length scale that is thinner than the hair diameter, so it's really small. So I was very um, intrigued by or excited by, by the idea of creating devices or structures at that small length scale, and that is how I started doing research in that area. Interesting. And what was the first project you worked on in the area? Yeah, the very first project um, I worked on at that time was um, to um, uh, uh, move around uh, carbon nanotubes um, to create this um, um, a thermal sensors, like a temperature sensor. So um, carbon nanotube itself is, is uh, of course, um, made out of carbon. And uh, the dimension of the tube is um, about like, um, it's, it's like, it's really, really tiny. It's, it's talking about like a few nanometer. So just give you an idea, like uh, a hair diameter is around um, 100 micron, um, 100 micrometer uh, in width. So um, like 100 nanometer is 1,000 times smaller than that. <laughs> so it's like really, really small. We're talking about manipulating um, a hair of that length scale um, to, to a position so that we can create like um, a, a temperature sensor. So that was my very first project. And um, from that project, I get to use a lot of like crude points. Like, for example, I, um, I get to learn how to use a scanning electron microscope, which allows you to, uh, to look at uh, features that are um, uh, extremely small, like uh, down to like a few micrometer to even down to like hundreds of nanometers. And um, yeah, that was the very first experience I had at that time um, to the micro and nanoscale world. And, and I, was, I, I was really excited about, about that during that time. Interesting. So, so let's chat a little bit more about your current work. And, and I'm curious mm-hmm. how you got uh, involved with more nature, nature-inspired research. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. 
So like um that um that that um the, the very first time that I um start looking into nature was when I was in graduate school at UCLA. So um when I was at UCLA as I mentioned um I I um I did like a micro and nano manufacturing right I I um, make structures that are on the order of micrometer or nanometer scale. So um at that time I was mostly um making um sensors and actuators for like um like for example um for um uh electronic nodes um that kind of applications but then like uh, later on um i start to look at like um 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 other aspect right one time i was um looking at uh one of my my colleagues in the other lab they they created this uh super water repellent surfaces and then like um I start to um to to ask uh, my colleagues like how did you make it? Mm-hmm. And then like um they, they show me some um scanning electron microscopic image looking at the surface of, of the liquid repellent surface. Um so they all consist of this uh micro and nanoscale textures. And I was very um 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 excited about the idea because in order to make a liquid repellent surface, intuitively you want the surface to be very smooth, right? But then they create this a uh, highly rough surfaces and and then they can make this um surface super repellent so I was uh, very excited about that and then like uh, later on they 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 told me that like um they actually are trying to replicate the surface features of a plant called a lotus leaf because like uh, in nature lotus leaf is known to be super water repellent if you put a water droplet on the lotus leaf it just roll around so that was the very first encounter for me to look at to 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 know that like uh, actually nature is a master of nanotechnology. Mm. There's a lot of electrical surfaces utilize uh, nanostructures to to uh, perform their function. Lotus leaf uh, was one of those examples uh, for water repellency, and there's uh, many other uh, lateral surfaces that also utilize nanostructures to do the same thing. For example, um, toge gecko. So you you know gecko, they can adhere on virtually any surfaces. And if you look at the, um, how the feet is constructed, um, they consist of like um, there's uh, micro nanostructures that allows them to adhere on the surfaces through uh, intermolecular forces. So this is another great example of how nature uses nanotechnology to, to perform like uh, interesting functions. And that is how all this started. Like I was um, very interested at how um, natural surfaces utilize um, nanostructures to perform the function. Indeed, uh, my PhD thesis at that time was to understand uh, why these natural surfaces require uh, textures on the order of nanometer scale to perform their function, specifically water repellent function. So that was um, that was my uh, my PhD thesis at that time. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And uh, so, what are some of your uh, current projects that uh, you're most excited about? I know you have a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so one of the most excited projects that um that that I have right now um is um there's a super slippery surface called slips. It stands for a uh, slippery liquid infused porous surfaces. So this surface um was inspired um by um by a type of plant called a pitcher plant. So um, um probably like uh, you have seen a pitcher plant before. It looks like a pitcher. So. Um, it is a uh, insect uh, eating a uh, plant where like uh, it captures insects for for its food, but um, unlike Venus flytrap that 
can actively grab the insects. Pitcher plant is just stay there. It's a, a static plant that they um, try to allure the plant to the insects to get onto the plant. Um, the way how they can capture the insects is by evolving this a super slippery surface at the whim of the plant, where uh, insects such as ants they walk on the surface and then they just get fly off into the plant. So um. So this this technology was really like um, developed um, when I was doing uh, a postdoc at Harvard University at Joanna Eisenberg's lab, and um, at that time um, we were looking um, uh, into uh, a super uh, slippery and liquid repellent surface that can work in a broad range of environments like high pressure conditions, high temperature environment, because like at that time, uh, lotus leaf type of uh, liquid repellent surface, it has been heavily researched, but it wasn't be able to survive in those environments. And that's why like um, we were looking in a very different type of uh, liquid repellent surface. And that's how there's a picture plan um, inspired material that, that comes along. Gotcha. And so how, you know, when you came across the picture plant, can you kind of walk us through how you know, you see this plant? Then what are your mm -hmm. next steps? Like, how do you analyze the plant? How do you figure out what it's doing? And then, then how do you figure out how you can try to recreate it? What right, 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 right. So, like, um, um, when we begin this project, um, we 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 actually um start off from um not from this about inspired angle. We start from more like a physical perspective. So, like, um. Let me let me explain like for the for the lotus leaf how it works. So like uh, as I mentioned before, lotus leaf it has this a uh, micro nano textures on the surface, right? And the function of this textures is to help help to trap a thin layer of air. So when water droplet is hitting on the surface, so it sees just mostly air hmm. instead of the textures. It's kind of like air hockey. So if you happen to play air hockey before, um, when the air is turned on, the object kind of like feels frictionless because you're sitting on a layer of air. But when you turn off the air, then like the object become very sticky, right? So it's it's exactly the same as uh, how the lotus leaf work. The textures help to trap a thin layer of air so that water just rolls on a layer of air. However, because it's rolling on a layer of air, um, it's not very stable, particularly if you have a high pressure jet of water hitting on the surface or when you are trying to repel liquid at high temperature. So this air layer can be removed fairly easily. So that's why like a lotus leaf type of liquid power surface doesn't survive in those environments. But however, think about if you replace the air with a thin liquid layer. So because liquid um, in, in principle is incompressible as compared to air, so it is more stable. You can use it like um, to to um, to repel like a broad range of immiscible liquid, and and we start from that angle. However, when we start that project, um, we didn't get the um, the design principle right. So that's why like uh, we start to look into nature to see if there are any uh, relevant uh, natural species use similar mechanism to repel a uh, miscible object. And this is how we come across with pitcher plant. Because for pitcher plant, it also have this micro uh, textures, but this micro textures is help to trap this thin layer of water such that it can repel ants. Because the way how ants and here on the surface is by this uh, uh, oil um, um, a layer that is trapped on, on, on the feet so that they can adhere on surfaces. Because oil and water are, are inherently invisible, and that's why like a pitcher plant can repel the ends. And that's how we got this uh, idea 
how we can uh, chop this liquid layer stably on the surface textures. One thing that we learned from the picture plan um, um, idea is how um, they can um, develop the surface chemistry so that the, the liquid layer of the lubricant can stably attach on the rough surfaces, or the textured surfaces. So that is like um, how we learn the mechanism. And later on, we expand um, this strategy to um, to uh, lubricant that are beyond water because picture print use water as lubricant, but then we start to use like all kinds of lubricant with different surface chemistry, including liquid, uh, liquid Teflon, which allows us to repel pretty much anything, uh, including like um, not only water, but also like a blood, um, oil, uh, ice, bacteria, uh, and many more things. Interesting. And so is, is, so is your technology like around the picture plant, would it be more around uh, read or um, manufacturing and discovering the liquid or more the surface or or a combination of the two? It's a combination of multiple things. First of all, we um, learn about uh, the design principle from the pressure plant because the slippery surface of pressure plant consists of the texture surface and uh, lubricating here. So that is the design concept. And then later on, um, we look at um, how the liquid layer can stably attach on the texture surface without being displaced by the foreign object. So that is the, the surface chemistry part that we learned. And combining all of this, then we create our own slippery surface. Gotcha. And what are some uh, potential applications for uh, slips? Right. So slips like um, it's it's a long sticking surface. So you can probably think about uh, many applications, things that you don't want to stick. Um, examples such as uh, like your cooking pan, right? So you don't want those oil, the grease to stick on a cooking pan. That that that's uh, one typical application. But there are many more. For example, um, anti icing coating. So um, if you have this uh, long sticking coating coating on your um, airplane wing, then ice wouldn't stick on it. Or even inside a refrigerator. Right, um, like the uh, defroster. So if ice didn't build up on the defroster, then you can save a lot of energy because we we use a lot of um, um, electricity trying to warm up the defroster so that they can um, uh, be used again for defrosting. So that's one application, anti-icing, and uh, other applications such as um, anti-biofouling coating for medical device. So um, bacterial fouling on uh, implants or other medical de- medical device are a big problems. Uh, for the medical industry. And um, so this sticky coating, this anti-sticky coating can be put on this uh, medical device so that bacteria um, biofilm wouldn't attach on it. Another application is, um, we call this uh, anti-coagulating coating where blood doesn't coagulate on the surface. So think about like a blood transfusion or like um, other blood-related uh, medical devices that um, if we have this coating, then we don't need to put um, anti-coagulant onto um Onto the, onto, onto the blood so that like uh, it, it won't be clogging the device. Hmm. So that's more biomedical. Um, other application um, such as um, anti-fouling coating on uh, on ships. You know, like um, when um, uh, sea creatures such as barnacle attaching on the uh, ship hull, it uh, creates a lot of drag. Which means that you need more energy to to uh, to propel the ship across the ocean, so so that's a big problem. So uh, anti um, fouling coating is one of them, and also like a uh, anti graffiti coating. So we can mm-hmm. put it on uh, road signs and also um, public infrastructure, so that people 
wouldn't be able to put graffitis on 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 those things. And uh, there are many other uh, more applications that where non-sticky coatings are, are highly desirable. And uh, some people put it inside um uh, like a bottles. Like for example, you can clear out the food content or ketchup much easier, right? So there are some other uh, demonstration people show that. One big application that um, right now our lab are really interested in is um, to put it um, on, for example, on sticky uh, waterless toilet. One of the key reasons why um, we need that much water to flush our toilet is because the, our our human waste are sticky, right? I mean, everyone knows. So what if we have this uh, super long sticky coating that um, things doesn't stick on it? We can uh, potentially save a lot of water. We are talking about like like many many gallons of water, and um, so this is something that like uh, we are actively looking into that, among many other uh, big impact applications. Wow. Yeah. There, I can imagine there's just many many applications. With the- and so what I'm curious about is for each of these applications, you know, whether it's on a ship or the toilet mm-hmm. uh, or urinal, do you, do you have to engineer it specifically for that material since, you know, you're kind of looking at the liquid plus the surface? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so slips itself is a concept. It's just a lubricated surface, right? So depending on um, the specific application, we need to um, specific. Uh, tailor or engineer the the composition, both the lubricant and also the um, the surface chemistry as well as the surface textures. And um, so yeah, so so each application requires specifically uh, tailoring of the composition of the slips coating. And and is it possible? And maybe it gets too technical, but expand and you know how would you look at the material, the surface of a ship versus a toilet, and mm-hmm, how mm-hmm. how would you alter? The liquid, or the, um, in order to properly adhere, um, yeah. What are you looking at, and what what's going through your mind when you you have to right, look right. At so the very first thing that comes into mind is um, uh, what kind of materials that is going to be repelled, because like uh, having that knowledge, then we know what kind of lubricant we should use. Because for the concept slips, we need to find a lubricant that is immiscible. Um, to whatever you want to repel, so the things cannot be mixed. Mixed like you can, like um, for example, if you just want to repel uh, water, then you can find a lubricant that doesn't mix with water. But if you want to repel both water and oil, then um, you need to find a lubricant that is immiscible to both uh, uh, liquids, right? So, so that's the very first thing to come in mind. And once we type, we know which kind of lubricant that we are going to use, then we need to tailor the surface chemistry. Um, of the surface such that the lubricant can adhere onto the underlying solid. And um, that's the second thing. The, the first thing is um, the, the, the solid itself. And in a lot of applications, this uh, uh, solid is, is fixed. For example, for, um, for toilet, um, most of them are made out of ceramic or like um, or, or some of them are made out of uh, metals. So then like um, that solid material is fixed, so we don't have that much freedom on that. So we pretty much work around that materials and then figure out the surface chemistry because we know what kind of lubricant we need to use. Then uh, we just work around with all this uh, design um, uh, criteria. Then we, we, we make the surface depending on specific applications. And, and how do you figure out what... Uh you know what what type of liquid to use i you know you said with if you want to repel water and oil well you obviously can't mm-hmm. use a uh, oil because right. and so is this just, right. just a, a body of materials out there that 
all these all you and all the researchers know about or are you like looking through kind of more novel materials Right. Yeah. So I think like um. So for the lubricant, but look at but look at uh lubricant part. Like um, there are many uh off the shelf lubricant that um that that is has been developed by a lot of like a chemist or chemical engineers that over the years some of the lubricant is uh highly uh water immiscible and some of them are both oil immiscible and water immiscible. Just give you an idea that for example um uh, one of the lubricant that we use is called perforinated uh, oil. So itself the surface the surface chemistry is very similar to Teflon. So it's kind of like liquid Teflon. So um, that particular lubricant is both immiscible to oil and also water. So um, that is one of the lubricants that we have been using for many different applications. Um, um, on top of that, if your application requirement only requires to repel water, for example, then you can use um, just oil, for example, like plant oil. Because plant oil and water, they're immiscible, so you can use those lubricants um, uh, for, for that type of application. So there are a broad range of lubricants um, that you can get off the shelf, and they have uh, they come with specific property, uh, immiscibility with different liquid. It just that you find the right one. Gotcha. Okay. And and where what stage of development is uh, slips in right now? So um for the slips um um so slips the very first publication it came out in 2011 so it's been about five years from now and um so of course from from the academic side um there are great development over the last five years if you go to um to search in the literature like Google Scholar you probably would see that our first first uh, publication has been cited for more than like. 600, 600 or times. close to yeah. 700 times yeah. and so 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 there's a lot of interest in that area and for the commercial aspect um that like um uh, my my mentor um Joanna Eisenberg uh, at Harvard University so um she and also one of my uh, previous colleague uh Phil Kim so they started a company called Slips Technologies and now it's based in Boston um so that company right now uh focusing on commercialized slips coding for industrial applications and um, that company started about for for two years uh, by now, and uh, I think they have been doing really well. Interesting. Far, yeah. Well, they're mm-hmm. in a good spot in Boston. <laughs> That's yeah. Interesting. Okay, I'll have to uh, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I mean, there's if you can figure it out, man, there's just so many applications. That's very interesting. Yeah, there are many applications of of that. Yeah, definitely. And so I, I'm curious. Maybe uh, do you have a another project that you uh could share that they're working on that you're excited about? Yeah, definitely. So like um, um, one of the interesting research direction that um, we're pursuing um, is what I call the cross-species uh, materials. So um, if you look at the field of uh, biomimetics or bio-inspired engineering, a lot of time people just look at one specific species, for example, the lotus leaf, and then they just uh, replicate that specific species property, for example, like a liquid repellency, right? Just one species and then one property. But um, like uh, people, like, um, but, but there are a lot of possibility here because we can actually pick the property of the lotus leaf, we pick the property of the butterfly wing, we pick the property of the tokay gecko and combine all of them together into one material <sighs> so that this material has multifunctional, pro- uh, multi- multifunctional properties, right? So there's a kind of like a crossing different species and combine them into one material. So this is like, um, um, 
one uh, active uh, research direction that uh, we have been looking at. So, so far we have developed a few cross-species materials. So one of them is uh, we try to incorporate um, um, the uh, property of the lotus leaf, the property of the pitcher plant, the property of the rice leaf, combine them together to create what we call the um, directional slippery rough surface. So this material allows us to uh, very efficiently uh, remove water from steam um, or water vapor. So you can think about like applications such as um, power plant or uh, desalination plant, where uh, we have to constantly convert water steam into water droplet so that we can remove the heat away from our heat exchanger or we need to convert the steam into water so that we can collect the desalinized water um uh for for like um for for collection for example and um also another application is fork harvesting so fork harvesting um the principle is you try to collect water from air so like uh you know like uh, in air we have a lot of water vapors in very tiny um water water droplet forms but collecting them is not easy so like uh, using the uh slippery rock surfaces we can collect them from air very efficiently so it potentially it can um be used in um a remote area where they're like um it's too expensive to to build this uh, water desalination plant just by having the surface sitting there then we can start collecting water so these are some just application example where we can use the idea from different uh, biological species combining into one material for like uh, multifunctional engineering purposes. And and how do you decide what parts of the uh, in those those different plants the um, the rice leaf and the pitcher plant and the lotus leaf? Mm-hmm. How do you decide what to take from each one of those? Right, right, yeah, that that's a great question. I I think that involves a lot of uh, creativity there because you can you can think of so many different natural species out there, right? And combining them, some of the functions are compatible, some of them are not. So um, let's take um, the the fork harvesting example um, as as a as an application example. So for har- fork harvesting, we we want a surface. First of all, we need it to be a high surface area so that it can um, collect. A lot of uh, water vapor um, per unit time, and um, and and for that we want a surface to have to be rough or, or to have a surface textures, and that is something that we can take idea from lotus leaf because lotus leaf it just consists of uh, micro nano structures and it has a very high surface area. So that is one feature we can take from the lotus leaf. The second part um, that is important is once we collect the water onto the surface, we need to remove them as fast as possible. And on that, we need a surface to be really slippery. So with that idea, we can take the idea from the pitcher plant because pitcher plant itself is a a lubricated surface, it's very slippery. So we can combine the high surface area of the lotus leaf with the lubricated surface with the pitcher plant. Now we have two components there. And the final component is the rice leaf. So rice leaf on on, on the surface, it has this uh, directional micro groove, which allows the liquid to be transported in one direction. So... And by combining this function into the um, the high surface area and also the slippery uh, component, then we can create a surface that, first of all, can collect water 
very efficiently because it has high, high surface area. Second of all, it's very slippery so that liquid can be removed very fast. And it's directional, which ensures that we can collect water in one specific location. So um, by combining these three functions, which is inspired by these three different um, natural surfaces, we create a surface that allows us to collect water from air very efficiently. So that's kind of the, the, the rationale, the, the, yeah. the design idea, the how we can get ideas from different plant species. And how much the and what was it called the, the the water from air the the harvester what was the is a is a it, we we call that a slippery rough surface yeah or the or okay was there harvesting in the name at all of uh, fog harvesting fog fog yeah f o g fog harvesting oh, fog harvesting cool all right. yeah gotcha mm-hmm. oh yeah that's a good name um <laughs> <laughs> I like it and uh so and. And how how much uh, surface area do you need, or you know, what, what have you done in your research? Like, how much water can you capture? I'm just, I know it's probably early stages, but just curious. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so it's it's all by comparison, right? So, like, um, compared to um, typical smooth um, um, hydrophobic or, or we call it super hydrophobic surface, so the slippery rough surface can capture at least three to like uh, three to five times uh, more water. Than just this regular hydrophobic surfaces. Interesting. Wow. And of course, like uh, we haven't, like um, we are still optimizing um, the surfaces, and we expect that can even capture more water in the future. Huh. And like, with, with that project, do you start with the kind of the application in mind, or do you say, hey, we we could probably pull these unique features from these different uh, nature-inspired uh, materials, you know, the plants and leaves. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, do you, st- do you start with like kind of the problem you're trying to figure out, or do you uh, figure out the problem after you have uh, some unique te- technology that you pull together from multiple sources? Right. It, it actually goes uh, both ways. Like um, the way how we come up with uh, projects or ideas in my lab, um, one way is we start with a big problem. For example, um, um, water water is a big problem. Right? How you can get clean water. So then, like uh, starting with a big problem, then we start to look into nature. What, how insects or plants or animals solve this problem? Then we take ideas from 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 their strategy to see whether we can translate that into device or material so that we can use it. So that's one approach. The second approach is we um we uh, look at some uh, natural species to see if they have some really clever or cool strategies that we can learn. And then, like uh, we develop manufacturing uh, technologies to to build these uh, structures or materials, and then we we look for engineering um, problems where we can apply these materials to. So it is really like a two way. Like one way is starting from the problems, we look for nature inspired solution, and the second is we look for some cool things in nature, and then we look for problems how how this cool strategy and materials can be used to solve some important problems. Hmm, interesting. And you know, and what do you want to have your technology become? Like are, you mentioned that uh, the one the slips technologies they mm-hmm. started a company with it. Or are you looking for to work with companies, or are you, or are you interested in just getting out into the research community, mm-hmm. um, or all of the above, or kind of what are your goals with it? Yeah, like um, ac- academically, like um, of course, like uh, we want to um develop uh like some new technology or, or novel research area that that researchers are excited about, so that they can start to to follow and 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 study further. 
And um, but on the other hand, like uh, we we just we we don't just limit on um on, on laboratory experiment. We we really want to develop some uh technology that eventually everyone can be benefit benefit from. Like everyone can use it. So like um so one of the long term goal that I have is, for example, like if there's some technologies that that we can license to to company, that would be great. And also like uh if the timing is right, then we we probably will also um start our own company, um to commercialize this uh technology so that like everyone can use them eventually gotcha that makes sense okay and we're, we're getting near the end of the podcast unfortunately but uh do you uh is there any other uh technology you wanted to mention no right yeah so i think like um yeah i think that's pretty much the technologies that right now we're researching in the lab the, the, the key is really like um learning um some uh highly engineered surfaces from nature and how we can uh use them for some very important applications uh, long sticky coding is a big research area in our group because oh, yeah. it's just just so many things that you can do with it. There's so many applications, yeah. and we are very excited about about the potential of them. Yeah, I mean, if the most hospital services and medical devices are coding that, I mean, it just saves so many lives. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's yeah, right. That's a, right. It's a major major issue. I mean, there's also I actually actually had a a fun question around that. Have you? Uh, have you thought about testing it out on a water slide? Do you think it would improve the speed? <laughs> yeah, like um, yeah, those are like some possible applications. Like uh, indeed, um, before like some um, uh, some 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 company and group contact us to see if we can put like um like slips or slip recording onto some of this uh applications to improve the speed and things like that. Yeah, those are definitely some of the really cool uh applications. Oh, that'd be awesome. We are we're in Wisconsin, so we're we're the home of the the water park, especially the indoor water parks. So I know. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> that's no more of a fun one. That's a little different than saving lives at a hospital, but they both have their value, I guess, in a different way. That's right. That's right. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, unfortunately, I think that uh, that just about does it. But I have a. Many more questions, but uh, we should probably stop now. And uh, really mm -hmm. appreciate you uh, telling us—I mean, telling us about what you're working on, but also just kind of how you think about stuff and how you uh, come up with new ideas and how you put them together. That's is, is quite interesting. So definitely appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me again. Yes, and and thanks everyone for to list, for listening to another episode of Flyover Labs. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks, Toxin. Thanks, everyone.